0: Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. And now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Hello, my entrepreneurial friends, and welcome to another episode. This is episode 144, so this is an all-in episode. Episodes ending in four and nine are our all-in episodes where we go into talking about, not Mike's next book, even though it's all-in coming out in January, 2024, uh, but, but how you can go all-in on being a great leader and building an unstoppable team of five-star employees. Now, remember, we're gonna focus on this, in these two episodes, per every ten, because employees and payroll is probably your biggest expense, especially if you have you know seven or more employees, uh, they are probably the largest expense in your business. And remember, uh, you know, to increase profitability, there's only two ways: increase margin and or decrease expenses so your payroll needs to be producing at least a 3x return this is so important um to for you to to be profitable in your business and when you have employees who are five-star employees they are producing a 3x return on payroll one two three-star employees average ho-hum or worse employees are tend to be a little entitled. Uh, they're collecting a paycheck. Uh, they're not necessarily producing that three X return on payroll. And so today we're going to talk about some strategies on how you can, uh, correct the errors of a mishire. If you've had any mishires in the past, we know from, from research that, uh, approximately, every three out of four hires in a business is right now trending at a mishire. So most businesses have a 70% miss 75% miss hire rate uh when you employ going all in on uh recruiting hiring retaining your employees and you never settle for less than five star employees and maybe even using the five star employee uh hiring system then you will only have a 10% miss hire rate so we're going to talk about strategies in these episodes ending in 4 and 9 about how to be a five star employer, how to recruit, hire, and retain five star employees so that you go from a, you know, 75% mishire rate to just a 10% mishire rate. Um, and, you know, one, one way to do that is to right now kind of stop everything, <laughs> um, and, 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 and pull out a spreadsheet and, uh, actually we will have a template for you at profitfirstnation.com forward slash 144. So profitfirstnation.com forward slash 144 will have this episode's resource. And what you're gonna do is um, you're going to uh, either use that resource or create your own spreadsheet. The first column is you're gonna put um, your former employees. You're gonna list them that, um, you know, have left the company, whether on good terms or bad terms or eh terms, you're going to list them in that first column. And I would recommend going back at least two years of, 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 of people who are no longer with your organization. We like to call them alumni. Um, and then I want you to, in the next column, put down what their hire date was. And um, then I want you to put their term date in that third column. When did they leave the organization? And then what was the role in the fourth column? And in the fifth column, what was the reason for leaving? And in this next column, you're going to put uh, who they reported to or who their supervisor was. And then, um, in the, uh, next column, you're going to put, uh, you're going to look at their, their resume that they had submitted for the job. And you're gonna look at that resume again, and you know that was probably the only single piece of information that you had for that candidate uh, besides them when you were evaluating them. So go look at that resume, and you know, do you see any red flags in that resume that you know you kind of maybe ignored, brushed under the rug, uh, really didn't pay attention to, and and put what those resume red flags are in, in that column. And then in the final column, you know, what, what were other things about the person just in general that you found to not be a fit for your organization or maybe, it, you know, it's an opportunity for, you know, w- the person was a good person, but they left because something could be better um, in your organization and they, they kind of gave you some feedback or such. All right. Um, so those are so those are the columns, and 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 you're going to dive into this. I would say, you know, to be honest, this w- should only take honestly an hour to do, right? Because at at, at worst, you're going to go into your uh, payroll system, and that's where you're going to find their hire date and their term date. Boom, boom, boom. That should take no more than ten minutes, um, even if you had ten employees. Couple clicks of the button. Uh, and then, you know, you should be able to, to, to just do a search to find their resumes, um, in your emails or however people are applying. Um, and then you're honestly not going to have to think too hard. You'll, you'll look at each resume and, and, and it'll probably take you three minutes to find those glaring, uh, red flags that were probably invisible, uh, the first time that you were, um, wanting to hire that candidate and then, um, and then just take a couple more minutes to, uh, reflect on that candidate, reflect on what they were like in the office and, you know, what, what were things that, you know, just, didn't work out either for the candidate in your situation or for you having that candidate in that situation. And so we're going to talk through some, some, some examples of, of some things that again, could be red flags and such, and, and why someone would leave. So um, I, I, and I'm going to kind of share some examples, real life examples. Uh, We did this with uh, a, a, a member of, the all-in program and the five-star hiring system. And, you know, kind of looking back before we went forward on, you know, the kind of candidates that, 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 that they were sorry to lose and the, the candidates that they were happy to lose. Um, it, which would give us a good sense of, you know, how to establish and build and help them find the ideal candidates, the five-star candidates going forward, um, and never settle for these people that were mishires. All right so um the the first person um we're going to call her uh lisa so what's interesting about lisa's resume uh when we looked at lisa's resume uh she had multiple present jobs so she was working multiple jobs in in the present um and she was going to trade this job for, uh, or one of those present jobs for this job. And, uh, but she was going to keep some of the other ones and such. So the issue with that is this was going to be, a, this was a full-time position. And then she was going to keep these other part-time positions. So one thing about that is it, it's hard to, to judge. If someone always has like one foot somewhere else, they're not going to be totally vested if, 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 they're not if you're not, you know, kind of like their primary employer or, you know, their only employer is ideal. You really kind of want to avoid people that are have multiple jobs, um, especially at, at higher levels um, in an organization. Uh, obviously, if you run a restaurant, I mean, yeah, that's going to be normal that people have multiple jobs, et cetera. But in, in terms of a professional or service setting, Uh, you're going to want someone to have really just one job so that they can be focused and all in um, on, on your organization. So the other interesting thing about this candidate was, um, they uh, all of their prior positions were um, local to where they lived, including their present positions, meaning um, they were within, you know, five miles of where they lived. And this position was, uh, 40 miles away from where they lived, So now they were going to have a commute and they said that they was brought up in the interview and they said, no, 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 I, I love to drive. I love being in my car. Not a big deal. I'm, I'm up for it and such. Well, this individual lasted two months in the position. And guess why they left the position. They left the position because, uh, the drive was too long, right? (laughs) Okay. Well then this candidate totally lied to you and, and people will, people will do that. They, they think, they think it's not a big deal, but then when they start doing it every day and in this case, every day for, for two months, you know, if they're not already doing it, they're probably not going to like doing something so different, something that takes more time out of their day, takes more time away from their personal time and their family. Um, so you have to be really, really cognizant. Uh, I learned this too, uh, when we were hiring candidates for, uh, when we were in office for our claims exam firm in Carmel, Indiana, which is a Northern suburb of Indianapolis. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was a little bit naive and, and hired some candidates who, you know, said, Oh, no problem. Oh, yeah, I've worked there n- near there in the past. I wasn't so familiar with the geog, with, with the, the, the geography and, and the different towns and where they were and such. So I, I tended to believe them. And, and truth be told, I, I got wise pretty quickly and started Googling you know if i wasn't familiar where the town was how far it was from carmel indiana um where our, our offices were where we were in office at the time and um and really you know kind of evaluated and filtered out candidates that were just too far and 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 didn't make sense and and you while you want to believe a candidate a candidate doesn't want to be rejected so they're going to tend to like you know say what you want to hear and, and the clear thing is, oh yeah, no problem. I, I can do that commute. And maybe they genuinely think that they can, but let's, l- again, let's be honest, you know, especially in a, in a large metro area. This isn't the only job. I mean, If the person lives in a, in a rural, rural, very rural area and there's little to no opportunity, well, of course, they're going to have to drive anywhere for a job. But in this case, this person, you know, lived in a, in a, in a, in a metropolitan area and was going to drive 40 miles to another metropolitan area for what would be the same pay, the same type of job, et cetera. So it, it just really made no sense that they were trying to make this leap. 40 miles away when there was should have been plenty of opportunity where they lived. So really, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest about this and let's, you know, do a little bit of research and understanding and, and set up for success. And again, if the person says, Oh, we're going to move there. Oh yeah. We're planning on moving. Just don't bother. There, there are plenty of fish in the sea. You may just have to cast a wider net to catch the right fish um than what you're currently casting in terms of a net but those people are out there and and you want to get you know just as many filters in as you can to set you up for success and 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 ensure that this person is a true five-star candidate and i'm going to be honest a five-star candidate doesn't live an exorbitant amount away from from from, from where you are or from where they're currently working to where they live. Now, if this individual was already working in, in the metro area that was 40 miles away from their house and had experience and jobs in that area, then that would be fine because they've already proven that, that the commute is fine. They've already worked at this other firm for, for five, seven, 10 years. And, you know, for whatever reason, they're looking for a change and, and it's sort of like, you know, um, for the, the commute is a lateral, uh, it's the same distance. So, so that's okay. And that works out. If it, but, but if there's a big change in the, in the candidates current behavior in terms of where they are now and, and where you need them to be, then that's, that's a red flag. All right. Okay. Um, then we had, uh, a candidate, um, here when we did this alumni, uh, analysis of this one uh, member's firm. And um, they didn't like all their, canada- their They didn't like all their clients um, and they wanted to work fully remote. So um, that is a that's that's a bit of a problem. So with with individuals today, um, we've got uh, people that, you know, got a taste of working from home thanks to COVID. And, um, and then, you know, there's, there's people that have been very comfortable with it. Uh, we went fully remote with our claims exam firm, uh, with our construction material supply business. We were remote for a bit during COVID. And then when we came back into the office, our employees were like, thank you, because, you know, they really enjoyed the camaraderie, the collaboration, it just made things better. And, you know, it just was, you know, a, not as conducive to work as in their homes, maybe, um, as well with, um, with, with their families working from home too. So you really have to understand, you know, this candidate had been working remote and then took a job that was hybrid and, you know, let's see how long here. Um, so, so for about, um, they, they, they stuck it out for, um, Almost two years, uh, but you know, kind of during that COVID time. Um, and, and, and so they had worked remotely, it looks like, um, during COVID in 2020. They joined this firm in 2021. They left this firm in 2023 because they wanted to go back to fully remote. So you gotta really watch this too. Um, you know, I think people think, okay, I can change them. Yeah. This job is hybrid, but I'm going to do such a bang up job that, and I'm so good at what I do and I produce results that I can get them to, uh, to, to change and make me fully remote. And, you know, in this case, I know this owner and there's no way this owner would allow 100% remote work. Um, and. And, and that that was pretty clear. So, but the, but when we looked back at this candidate in in 2020, they had been fully remote, and and they hadn't gone back into an, an office environment or a hybrid environment. They were going from fully remote to hybrid, and clearly had the intention of no, I, I can take take this hybrid and make it fully remote. So again, kind of a, a red flag is people who've been working fully remote likely want to stay fully remote. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, it definitely has its perks. Uh, so, so be wary of that. Um, you want to trade like for like, um, it could even go the other way too. I mean, um, you know, someone who's working in office, you know, might not actually end up being successful in, 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 in working from home. So be cognizant of, again, How much are, how much is the candidate having to, 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 to change their behavior, change where they're working, change their commute, et cetera? And, and that's where, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to tell if that will fully stick, if they have to make that change. So you want to keep the candidate in kind of like a like situation. Um, they were working hybrid. You're offering hybrid. They were working work hundred percent remote, uh, and you're allowing them to work hundred percent remote. Okay. So then we move on to the next candidate and this individual, um, let's see how long did this individual last? Um, this was Kevin and, um, this person was with them for just shy of two months um, and they were let go because of poor work uh, and so what it looks like here was uh, they failed to test this individual um, and so that's why you need to have skills tests in your hiring gauntlet and you also need to have a shadow day. The shadow day should be a paid shadow day. Um, it's four to six hours. If it's a remote candidate, it's a remote shadow day. If it's an in-person candidate, um, it's an in-person shadow day. Uh, maybe throw in some lunch there too and uh, and some casual time with the, with the team and getting to know each other. But, um, but, but the shadow day really kind of um, tells you is the proof in the pudding. Uh, and so you want to design the shadow day and you want to include stresses in the shadow day that, um, you know, could happen in your business and often happen in your business. Uh, so you, you kind of want to design the shadow day to, 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 to truly test the candidate, um, maybe on your offices, not best kind of days. Uh, and, you know, you want to give them assignments while they're doing their shadow day and give them a timeframe to complete the assignment and see what the results are of that assignment. And then we're gonna be able to see, well, do they do good work or do, do they do poor work? Um, you know, set the expectation, what we've done um, sometimes in the past, uh, is really good. Is we'll include them in on a client call, and we'll say we need you to take notes um, on this client call, and then um, after the client call, we're going to give you 15 minutes and this computer to to, to draft uh, a recap email for everyone that was on the call. Uh, so you want to you know see how how they work, the quality of their work, and. Um, how 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 efficiently and quickly they do it. So that would have helped here with with Kevin. So one other interesting thing is when I when I looked at this spreadsheet. Um, let's see, there was about one, two, three, four, five. There were about ten. People on this spreadsheet that we analyzed of, uh, of, of, of alumni, former employees, uh, some left on their own, some were left go- let go. But the interesting thing is five out of the 10 reported to one supervisor and um, the other ones, you know, no one else reported uh, there were no more than two employees reporting to any other supervisor on the list. So half of the people left that reported to a particular supervisor. So there's a red flag right there. And, um, and, 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 and this is, was it is, is kind of known this owner and I have had discussions, um, about the situation and, uh, you know, Interestingly, you know, now now it's kind of like, well, do you want one person and never be able to keep someone else? And the interesting thing about this, about this supervisor is, um, the, the people that work for her really have very short tenures too, which is also telling of the situation. So, you know, like it can go both ways, which is why we had that supervisor column and who they report to and stuff, because that could present, um, you know, an issue that needs to be addressed in your organization as well. It it, it might not be the the employees or the candidate, it might be, the, the person who's already been there and in a supervisor role. So um, let's see. When we looked at some of the resumes, um, some of the other resume red flags um, that kind of reared their head, we talked about the one where the individual um, uh, all their prior work experience was very local to where they lived. And this position was, was a big commute for them. Uh, another resume red flag is sort of the, um, the type of organization the person is currently working for or their, where their history is of w- they're working for compared to like where your organization is. So in this, in one case there was an individual who worked for such an elite well-known institution that working for a firm that is, you know, a successful and profitable and wonderful small business that person sort of lost their, Ooh, ah factor when people say, Oh, where are you now? And they would say, well, I'm with Acme and people are like, Oh, you went from Ooh, la la. Wow. 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 Blue chip to Acme. Oh, okay um so you really need to be cognizant too again like how much of a move is this person making this person went from you know working at really like a a very well-known prestigious company to a great company that that no one knows about and such and so really what what kind of got to this person was they didn't have that um I'll call it law factor, but the, but they didn't have that 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 prestige anymore associated with their place of employment. And so, uh, again, you know, you want to be cognizant of, of where they're coming from and where you are. I tend to like people that, you know, when they work for us, it's a, it's a step up to them and it's not considered a step down. So that is a very important uh, thing to consider. In your candidates. Um, the other interesting thing is that, uh, you know, when we looked at these candidates and they were uh, applying for bookkeeper positions, I was sort of like, so where's the bookkeeping experience on this resume? Um, they had made several administrative assistant hires and um, and hired them as bookkeepers. And one candidate in particular, I mean, the, the, the underneath their name um, on their resume, it said administrative assistant. Uh, everything was them working as an administrative assistant. All of the skills that they listed I mean, data entry, effective time management, team player, customer service, tech savvy, Microsoft Office, effective communicator, scheduling software, Google Suite, CRM, critical thinking and problem solving, email automation software. I think I named them all. Did you hear any QuickBooks? did you hear any accounting? Did you hear any bookkeeping? So, you know, again, this was a case of an individual who said, oh yeah, I did a little of that, but it wasn't a prominent enough skill. They listed 15 skills on their resume and none of them had to do with accounting or bookkeeping. also, too, would have been figured out if you gave this person a bookkeeping or accounting test as well. Um, so it's again really important to number one, you know, does does their experience commensurate with what you need for the role? Or and you know, are you giving them a skills test to 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 double check that even if they said it on the resume, that it's actually a reality? And, you know, I'm not saying that someone has to have experience for the role, especially if it's an entry level position, especially if you, if you want blank slates. I love blank slates. I love hiring a blank slate and seeing people that have the aptitude, et cetera. And, you know, what kind of experience I'm looking for might not be the literal experience of what I'm hiring for. So for example, you know, for our claims examiners, we hire recent college graduates with a math degree. That's it. Um, if if they have a math degree, I know they know how to problem solve. I know they love numbers uh, and you know, that's what I need to, to teach them. I don't say I'm hiring a claims examiner because number one, I don't want people with prior claims experience because their prior claims experience is useless to us. And then they're gonna be hung up on how they used to do it and how we do it. And I'm not gonna undo that programming. Um, and so that's why I say I'm looking for a recent college uh, graduate with a math major and that is what we get and you know magically they go through our hiring gauntlet they take the assessment they score 70 percent or higher they move through our process and system and um and when we hire them we've never had anyone not complete training we've never had anyone not reach their authorization levels on time we end up with happy employees who you know work for us for as long as they want until they, you know, move up in, in, in the ranks in promotion and, uh, and 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 take another role within the company at a higher level. The last example I want to talk about is, uh, we, we talked about this before on the prior red flag resume uh, episode, but uh, you know, this, this is on the spreadsheet. So I'm going to reiterate it here. And that is, um, depending upon your organization, if your organization is very tech savvy and you are a near paperless office and you have no less than three to four sort of apps or platforms that are really the, the kind of the engine underneath your business, then you have no business hiring someone who has been out of the workforce, for four five or more years. All right. In this case, we had an individual going for a bookkeeping position who had been out of the business world for uh, 22 years. Okay. 22 years. And so things were a lot different 22 years ago when it came to bookkeeping and accounting and, um, electronic file records management and passwords and things like that and stuff and you know this person was quickly overwhelmed um in a very short order and and so you know this is this is a mishire So you want to have people, if you are very tech savvy, you have lots of platforms, you have specific ways of doing things. You need to, you know, make sure that, that and test for this individual and, and do it on a shadow day that they can catch on quickly. And they love, you know, how everything is so organized in these electronic file cabinets. And you've got these Trello's and you've got Dropbox and you've got Microsoft. Uh, SharePoint and, 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 and your clients apps and everything, you know, really, really, really test for that. Um, because again, if the sophistication of where they're coming from is pretty low from a, from a technology standpoint and your firm is like, you know, a, a, a firm that has a lot of apps and a lot of things buzzing in the background to make you guys successful, that is a big leap. And, and that is going to be very, impossible for someone to to make or very unlikely for someone to make. So you want to, um, again, find people that love apps and love everything going on and have had experience with, you know, ideally some of those apps as well. So that is um, my challenge to you to go back and, you know, use the spreadsheet at ProfitFirstNation.com forward slash 144 and do an analysis of your alumni all of your prior hires who are no longer with you for the last two years and spend an hour and 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 now you have great knowledge and information to, um, you know, not make the same mistake, not make another mishire for the same reasons. And, uh, you know, that brings me to my favorite quote, and that is um, Albert Einstein's uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So uh, success and failures leave clues. And that's why going back and looking at the failures when it came to, to hiring and why people are no longer with you uh, will, will give you some good clues that you can take and use as, as opportunities going forward so that uh, you, you, you um, reduce your mishire rate, right? We want to go from a 75 50% mishire rate to a 10% mishire rate. And we will guide you along on these episodes ending in four and nine. And uh, let's go all in. Thanks for tuning in to the Profit First Nation podcast. We hope you found today's episode valuable and that it's inspired you to take action towards achieving permanent profitability in your business. If you want to learn more about how to implement Profit First in your business and connect with a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, be sure to visit us at ProfitFirstNation.com to download our how-to guides and resources. Remember, permanent profitability is within your reach and we're here to support you every step of the way. So let's do Profit First right together. First Nation website, related podcasts and videos are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.